If you remember, in chapter 37, we started a, the, basically the closure of in this path that we're on, the whole new section, the act of, the act of going from, from the next 13 chapters is all about the life of Joseph and how God was working in and through this young man. We see started at age 17, came under the view there in chapter 37. He's in a life of a family that God, we know, is going to use to bring about the Messiah. This must be a perfect family. No, we quickly find out it's not a perfect family. That everybody must have their act together and just love and obedient to the, the, the things of God. No, that's not what we found out in chapter 37, nor did we find that in chapter 38. Matter of fact, this was the most one of the most dysfunctional families you can actually have. You think your family's bad. You've just studied the life here, and you realize, wow, that God can take such a dysfunctional family and use it for his great purpose and plan. Amazing. Remember, Joseph's life started here in chapter 37 that we see here. And you would think God gave him, this young man who loved God, a revelation twice, dream, two dreams, that God showed how and what he was going to do in his life and, and, of course, the family life. And the family, especially the big brothers, did not like little brother telling them what those dreams meant. Even dad said, wait, 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 don't be crazy in sharing this with your brothers. But he knew that God had spoke to him the same way. Through those dreams, the revelation, he knew there was something about his son, Joseph, that God was going to use, and, and we clearly will know and, and will use, uh, in according to God's uh, redemptive plan and bringing the Messiah into the world. But the brothers didn't see it. Matter of fact, so envy, so, so much jealousy and envy and anger and criticality that they said it was okay to sell, throw him into a pit, first of all. And then Judah said, hey, I got a brilliant idea. We got to make some money off a little bro. Let's sell him to the Ishmaelites as they're coming on their way down to Egypt. Let's sell him. And in chapter 38, we had this little moment where we see the fourth son, Judah, is as rebellious can be and takes off back into the Gentile world, if you remember. Leaves the brothers, leaves the family, goes back and gets uh, wrapped up into a Canaanite woman that God said was not to happen. But again, it's through the, the line of Judah that the Messiah will still be coming by the grace of God. Gets mixed up with the Canaanite woman, and we see not only did that not go well, yes, he had three sons, and yes, he had a son, but his oldest son was so evil that God killed him. After dad arranged a marriage with Tamar. Now, you know the Levite marriage tradition that if the oldest son dies and there is not an heir, they are to what? The next son is then to impregnate Tamar so she would have a son that would have the heir for the, the, the heir to, of that first son. But guess what happened? The second son, 
he was not right with God and he was refusing to do it because he wanted to err and he would not, uh, uh, well, he had no problem lying and sleeping with this woman, Tamar, but would not impregnate her to be able to have that error. And God did not like that and he was killed. And then dad said, ooh, both brothers, both my sons are, are dead. I'm not going to let this woman have my third son. And he held him from her, and she figured that out. And she took matters in her own hands and dressed up like a prostitute, as you know, just to coerce Judah as he was coming by. And sure enough, the, it worked. And she had enough proof through the signet and the cord and the staff to prove that it was his. Because once she knew she was going to get pregnant, she's going to have to have something to prove. He was the one. And sure enough, we know the story. And it's amazing through the story that it's still within the sovereignty of God. That he can take these moments that you really mess up in your life and God can still turn it into good and for his purpose, according to his purpose. Now, the story picks back up here in chapter 39 with the life of Joseph, now in Egypt. A young man, 17, now probably we're talking maybe in 18 or later. But we see here, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, Brought him from, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. Think about this. Here's a young man who God revealed some tremendous future for him. He thought everything was great. He was so excited to share with the family. But nothing turned out like he thought. He found himself in a pit. Brothers having lunch and talking about his death and getting rid of the men out of their lives. And then having a, your fourth brother, oldest brother, sitting there saying, let's sell him to these, these guys coming across and let them take him and sell him off as a slave down in Egypt. We're going to make some money off the bro. And here's a man, a young man, 17 years age, going to a foreign land, didn't know the language, didn't know the laws, didn't know the culture, didn't know anything other than he was a slave and was going to be, something was going to terribly happen to him down in Egypt. How could we ever go to Egypt? How am I ever going to go to Egypt? This is great. But God, again, is going to do what he's going to do for his plan and purposes. Even if people come against God's plan, he can still bring this thing around to still meet God's purpose. And sure enough, you hear Joseph going into Egypt. He could have been sold to any scum of the earth trying to look for a slave to sit there and use until he's dead. But no, God allowed him to be bought by a man named Potiphar, which is the officer of Pharaoh, a captain of the guard, an Egyptian. And this man is the one who actually bought Joseph. Now, this is not just any man. He is the chief of police. He's the head of the secret service. He's the one that was in command control of the safety of, of not only Pharaoh, but of the, all the Egyptian area. 
powerful man with a lot of privileges and access to everything you need to know when it comes to the inner workings of Egypt. That didn't just happen, you know that. It's just like you in our lives. God plants us in places around this world in times and even in the north country. You say, how could I ever go to Egypt? You know what snows? But God's plan and purpose is perfect. And he does things even though they, we don't fully understand them. Uses them for his purpose and his plan for your life. And what you've realized as you get older, when you're young, you think it's all about you. <laughs> it's about your life and what we want and how we want it and how it's all going to be planned out in 10-year plans. When you get my age, you realize you look back and go, that, all that was so much waste of time. Because you think you have it all under control. You think you have it all planned out. But when you get to my age and you look back and you go, wow. It's only by the grace of God that I'm actually alive. Or let alone that everything has worked out even better than I ever thought and imagined. Let God have a control of your life as a child of God. Let him take you to places where he wants to, keep you where he needs to, and have you change. Even jobs and whatever it is in your life. God will use it for your purpose and plan according to his, that he has for you. Trust God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, trust God. Now we're going to see that in the life of Joseph. It's incredible. A 17-year-old. How many times do people sit there, and I am guilty of it, okay? I'm guilty of it. Oh, he's a young man. He's hormonal. He's out of control. Sometime he'll get out of it. Just make him work. And somehow we'll get to figure out it is. He's, you know, those boys at that age, he's lazy. They'll figure it out, and he'll get a job finally. And No, it's wrong. We need to set the bar higher for young men and women. Young men have to be set the bar higher and get them to, because to, God can use a 17-year-old, a young man just starting life, and use him, and God has a plan and a purpose for his life just like Joseph. A young man who is on fire for God, who wants to be obedient to God, wants to be in the will of God, that is not controlled by his flesh, as we will see, but controlled by God in the fear of God, a healthy reverence for God. So we must set the bar high for our young men and our young ladies because God can use them at a young age right there as they come into adulthood. That's why 12-year-olds are here in, the, in here, because we see them as a young adults, and God can start using them, forming their lives to be able to do great things for God. Just like a perfect example of Joseph. Now, what's interesting, we know in the scriptures about Joseph, he was not a sinless young man. But nowhere in the scriptures do we see that he ever sins. doesn't speak to about it. But we see the fact that God had given him a vision, given him these dreams, and, and made him to be the favorite son in the family. That didn't go well with the brothers, by the way. That there was plans, but 
But all of a sudden, everything changed. It seemed to be for the worst. The brothers turned on him, threw him in a pit. Now he's in a Potiphar's house in Egypt, in a foreign land. How much worse can it get? It does get worse before it gets better. Sometimes we find ourselves having to die more before things get better. And so when we see this, but God's perfect, and he brings him around here and brings him into this house of, of just a tremendous influence, and God uses this and will use this to put him in a position to teach him the things of the culture and the things where he's at at that time to be able to use him long term. It's amazing. Because we have a hindsight. We can look back on this. But it was God's will that he became a slave. It was God's will that he would go to Egypt. And we'll see that it's God's will all the way through. Why? To protect the world and protect God's people. It's amazing. Verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph. You will see this. God is with. We'll see that four times in this chapter. Here in verse one, in verse, or verse two and verse three, and then later on in verse 21 and I think 23. But that is the theme you and I must see that today, that God is with. God is with Joseph. He's God is with him. God is with you as a child of God. But the Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man. How could this young 17-year-old be successful already? Because He's successful in the eyes of God and he's being obedient to what God's called him to do. And his attitude, his life reflects success in the eyes of God. God said here he was a successful man. What does he have to show? Because so many times we see success in a worldly perspective. What's his position in his job? How much money do they make? How big is their house? How many cars do they have? How much is getting in the bank account? How much, how many, how many, how much? Everything is measured by visual, by sight of, of worldly standards. But that's not how God measures success in a person's life. He measures success based on obedience. And the love that we have for him. Amen? I know that's hard for some of you. To get your head to switch around that. Because your whole life was taught to measure success based on the possessions that you have. Not the position you hold in the family of God. You're a child of the high king. So Joseph was successful. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. And that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. So not only did Joseph, regardless of the fact that he had a family who's rejected him, a brothers who plotted to kill him, then, then sell him off like he's some piece of, of real estate or a piece of material meat. And sits there 
and he's still successful, so successful that his master was watching his life, doing what the master asked him to do. He was so obedient, so faithful, so so successful because God did not leave Joseph. And that's our promise, my brothers and sisters. God will never leave you or forsake you. That's our promise. God did not leave Joseph as the position he is in foreign land here. God was with him. And then God was right there with him and bringing him up to the point where he is so successful and so amazing as of this young man that even the master, he didn't get into that position because he was dumb. person who was in that position had to be very wise, very understanding, very good about reading people, understanding people. You don't get in a position of power like that and not be able to read people and see what goes on in people's lives. And this man saw something in this young man's life, and we see it was because the Lord was with him. And that the Lord made all, all means what? All he did to prosper in his hands. So anything that he, the bastard told him, hey, go, uh, go clean the stables. They were probably the cleanest stables and organized you could ever see. Go over here and peel some potatoes. They were probably done so well, so quickly, so efficiently, that it was just blowing his mind. Whatever the task was, he was a slave, he was obedient, and he had the right attitude, and he got it done. And in that caused the master to take note. And that's why he was a successful man. I believe Joseph was prosperous because he was content even as a slave. 1 Timothy 6.6, 6, like Paul says, he understood that it was not great gain that brings contentment in one's life, but rather contentment that brings great gain. So many times, oh, I'd be so content if I just had more money, or I had a better house, a better car, a better, 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 going once, going twice. No, it's not sold. Not good. Contentment comes when you realize that God has given you everything that you need and you're content and you're joyful for what God has provided for you by the grace of God. That is why I believe Joseph was so successful. He was content even as a slave. He said, this is where God is in control of my life. This is what he has me to do and I'm going to be faithful in doing it. Regardless of the circumstances regardless of that he had no control over his life. Because God overruled the evil and the terrible choices that others have done against Joseph. But his trust in God, his diligent work ethic, his blessing from God showed in the eyes of Potiphar that God was real right there in the life of this young man. That miraculous things was taking place right in front of his eyes. And as a powerful man, to see that happening in a young man was, must have been incredible. So incredible, we see in verse 4 that so Joseph found favor in his, his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house 
and all that he had he put under his authority. It reminds me of Colossians 3, 17. Whatever you do, whatever you do in word, it's going to come back to me. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? That's what I believe that we see here in the life of Joseph, that he's so focused on doing what God's called him to do, regardless of the master, regardless of what is in his past, regardless of the rejection of his family or whatever that be done, that he, as he served the Lord Jesus, as he served God with giving thanks to the God the Father and, and through him, that God lifted him up and blessed him and he found favor in his master's eye. So much so, and so much trust was built in the fact that he was consistent, that he actually gave him the authority over all his household. That's incredible. He just bought this man. Here, this is the young man that they paraded across the bleachers or whatever you want to call it, across in front. He probably had his shirt off so that they could see how healthy he was and how muscular and all this stuff. And yes, I, he, there's something about that guy. That looks like a really good guy. I want to buy him. And now he's in charge of the authority of this man's household. How did he get there? But only by the grace of God and the mercies of God and the God working in and through his life. He could not take credit for it. But amazing. So it was from that time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house, in the field. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hands, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. <laughs> this is amazing. Joseph was, in, God was empowering this young man in such a level that a, a powerful man turned everything over to his, his household. Not only in his house, but his field, everything he owned over into the hands of this young single man. And he didn't even worry about anything to the level that it says here in the scriptures. All he even even thought about was the fact that I didn't worry about anything. All I did is worry about what I saw come in front of me called food. As they brought me my food, that's all I thought about. That's a retired, relaxed man right there. All he has to do is get up in the morning and figure out, okay, what, what are they going to bring me food? What is he going to eat today? He didn't have to think about anything else. Because this young man was so efficient and effective, and, and it was so prosperous to this man, we see in the scripture that the Lord, the, the Lord blessed the Egyptian, the Potiphar, not because there was a relationship between Potiphar and God. God blessed Potiphar. Potiphar benefited because of the fact that God was blessing his child with Joseph. Do you realize that happens today? 
God takes you and plants you where he wants you to be in a job. Or have you start a business. And he brings people and people look at your life and look at what you're doing and you're like, how did you, how'd you get so successful? How did you make it there? What's your background? Who's your family? What's, they're trying to figure out from a worldly perspective, how were you able to be successful in the job that you're at? How did you even get the job? You know, like, like, you don't have a master's and you're, you don't have a bachelor's and you don't even have a degree and you've got that. They can't understand that God is taking you places and doing great things and people see the abilities, your abilities, not because you're talented, God gave you that talent. Not because of your abilities. He gave you those abilities. Not because you're so wise. He gave you the wisdom. Not because you have anything to offer. Because we can do nothing apart from him. Once you get that straight, you can do nothing apart from him. But in all things, great things can happen if you would just let him work through your life. Just be obedient and faithful in what God's called you to do. And you'll be just like Joseph. He'll rise you up to places and positions you never thought you'd be. But here he does the same thing with Joseph. He sits there and he blesses him and blesses him because God loves Joseph and has a plan for him. But notice with this, not only Joseph is so wise, so obedient to God, so focused on just serving God, but he had the whole package deal here. Look at the end of, at the end of chapter 6, or, or verse 6. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. That can be a challenge. Here's a young man who has it all. 17 years old. God is empowering him to do great things. And he is one stud. He got the looks for mama, if you remember. If you remember, if you go back, you see that he got his looks from Rachel back in Genesis chapter 29, verse 17. She was absolutely beautiful, not only in body, but also face. He got mama's looks in a male form. Now, he's got it all. But it ends up, that becomes a challenge for him as a young man. And I love the story today because it teaches all of us how to deal with temptation and realize God is with you even all through these things. And through the low points of being rejected by your family and, and in slavery and everything else, but at the high points now you're in charge of Potiphar's house and incredible power and, and privileges and all these things you're being taught. The highs and lows in Joseph's life. But in that life also comes temptation, just like you and I. We face temptation every single day. That's why we are prayer every single day. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from what? Evil. That is our prayer that we should be praying every day. Watch what happens. We see now that he's a handsome in appearance and in form. Good-looking guy. You, you know where else in the scriptures we see that? There's only a few more of the places we even mention that God mentions that. I'll give you those today just for free. The Bible called only three men of a stature of being good-looking 
or beautiful. First one is who? Saul. First Samuel 9:2. He was really tall. Remember, he was just he, he was a perfect example of the best first king, right? Don't go by appearance. We can go well did it for him. Second one was who? David. First Samuel 16:12. King David. And the third one mentioned in scripture is Absalom, 2 Samuel 14, 25. There are only three guys that are mentioned of having being good looking and handsome uh, or beautiful in nature. So as we take a look at this and we continue here in verse, uh, verse 7, we see that, and it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph and she said, Lie with me. So here's, again, you have to picture this. Here's a 17-plus-year-old man. He's probably up into the 1922 range, right? We know statistically, even today, from an age of about 16, 17, up to about 22 or 25, is your peak top testosterone issue for men. It is absolutely roaring in men at that point of their lives. So that drives men in many ways. So here he is, in the peak of his, his male performance, and a good-looking, good shape, good face, everything, power, position, everything you would have for a guy. That would destroy a man. Because lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life will destroy a man. But not Joseph. Because he loved God and he feared God. So what happens? Sure enough, a temptation comes, and it's the master's wife. She starts lusting after him. He's probably he's been there in his house, we see, 11 years. How long had in those 11 years was she lusting after him? We don't know specifically, but we see that he, she casting longing eyes after Joseph, and she was blunt because in that culture, women were very blunt. They can be very, because this, I couldn't say this earlier either. What's it called when women are very open? What's the word? What's the word? Yes, promiscuous. Very. So she was very blunt and was ready to go and, and just tell him the way it is. Lie with me. She was using her position. I'm the master's wife. I, I can tell you, no. But what happens? Here in the next few verses, we see how you handle temptation. Right, beautiful, right here, played out. Well, how did this young, vibrant young man with a woman, you know, this powerful man did not marry an ugly wife. You know that. He could pick any woman he wants in Egypt you know he didn't pick an ugly wife. So she was probably, this temptation was a very beautiful woman in this household. And he's, this young man is now faced with the temptation when she says, lie with me. His response. But he refused. He said, no. See, he, had, he, he, didn't, he didn't sit there, okay, I'm going to lose my job uh, if I do... Uh, say no to her. What is she going to make my life miserable? Oh, this is terrible. No, he just said, no, 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 we, we can't. And said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house. And he has committed all that he has to my hand. 
Your husband trusts me with everything. He doesn't even have to watch over me. How could you? I, I, no. I can't break his trust. I, th- absolutely not. He even says, there's no one greater in this house than I. I understand that. Nor has he kept back anything from me but you. Because you are his wife. So he made it very clear. Wait a minute. You're asking me to lay with you. No. No, 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 no. I, 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 I have the trust of your husband. I can have everything, anything. I'm in power, I'm in power and in control of everything except for you because you're his wife. No. But he didn't stop there. Because when temptation comes, you can sit there and say, no, 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 no. I, I can't do this. How can, how can I do I, See, but here's what happened. This is why I love Joseph's example here. He starts immediately, besides saying no, he starts thinking of the consequences if he did follow through. See, that's what happens to most people who fall to sin. The temptation comes. That's not the sin. The sin comes when you take the temptation and you lead to actually the act of doing it. So when that happens, you have to say no, because it's a flash. Like, no, 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 I'm not supposed to do that. But immediately you must think about the consequences because sin never just affects you. It affects everyone around you. And immediately Joseph said, wait, 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 wait. This will affect your bo- my boss, my master. I, he has a trust. I have responsibility. I'll lose my responsibility, my job. I'll lose everything if I did that. He brought it to light of understanding the consequences if he followed through with that temptation. We should do the same thing. Immediately think about the bigger picture. Not just fulfilling of the flesh. But think about the biggest picture of how that will affect your spouse, your children, your job, your neighbors, your family, your extended families. You start thinking that immediately that moment of pleasure shrinks down to absolutely not. But he didn't stop there. Why? Because you know why? Because people can rationalize over that simplicity of how it will affect others. They can rationalize over that. But then look what Joseph does next. He brings into what is about what she's asking him to do. It says right here, How then can I do this great wickedness? He didn't sugarcoat it. Sleeping with your boss's wife, he didn't sugarcoat it. He didn't sit there and say, oh, man, how is this going to affect my boss and everything else? I'm a single guy. I don't have a wife. I don't have children. I, don't have, a, my, I have a family rejecting me. I don't, I'm, not even, I'm not home. I'm in foreign land. No one knows me. I'm a slave. I was being told by the wife to lay with her. I can rationalize this. I can really rationalize this. It's going to be okay. But Joseph understood what adultery, or in this case, fornication, whatever you want to call it, very clearly, this is great wickedness. That's what sin is. It's wickedness. He called it and told her exactly what it is. What you're asking me to do is wickedness. When's the last time you hear out there, even in the pulpits today, when sin is talked about, they don't even talk about it as being wickedness. 
Everyone calls it and changes it to be some disease or something else to make it sound better. But call it the way it is. Sin is wickedness. But he didn't stop there. He went to the ultimate step, which is exactly what we're supposed to do. And he says, and sin against God. Joseph had the fear of God in him. He knew that God sees all things, knows all things, and all powerful. No question. He has seen it in his life growing up, how God inter, inter, interacted with his family dynamics and everything else. He knew God and he said, this would be against God and I am not lying with you. Period. So you would think that would work, wouldn't you? You would think. Someone says, come lie with me, and you sit there and say, no, 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 I can't do that. It's a, this is wickedness, it goes against God, what, the effects it would have on your husband and everybody else, absolutely not. You would think Potiphar's wife would say, oh, what was I thinking? I'm so glad you just stayed strong. No, no, unfortunately, we see in the next verse, so it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day by day. By how many days did she try to convince and whittle this man down, waiting for that moment when that young man was just weak enough? He's hungry. He's been working hard all day. He's stressed out. His border, his walls are going to come down through that. I'm, that's a warning for all of you. You're hungry. You're tired. You're stressed. Watch out. God, Satan will send some temptation your way. She day by day whittling on this man. What does he do? That he did not heed her. It didn't matter how many times she asked. He did not heed. He did not succumb to her suggestion. To lie with her or to be with her. So this woman, we will see here as we will look, is sitting there chasing this man every day. Asking him every day, lie with me, lie with me, lie with me. And he's sitting there, no, 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 no. And he's sitting avoiding her in the household. He says right there, I'm not going to lie with her, and I'm not going to even be with her. If you have a sin of drunkenness, don't rationalize it in your head that it's a disease. It's not a disease. It's sin. And don't go be hanging out in bars and say, I'm only drinking Coke. Don't be around her. Don't be around the alcohol. Because at some point you will succumb to the, the suggestion of drinking because someone in your life may hand one to you. Just like him. I'm not going to be around her. I'm not going to be tempted on this. I'm going to avoid her. You don't sit there on the border. You don't sit on the edge of a cliff when you know it's gonna, you can fall off. But we see here, day in and day out, Joseph, let his faith be known. I am I'm a follower of God. I love God. He, he stayed busy. He stayed very busy, focused. He didn't have idle hands here. 
He was careful not to be alone with her and make sure that this temptation could be overwhelming for him. He called it out. He shined light on the situation. He didn't just sit there and say, oh, she just did not just ask me to lie with her. I'm, I'm, I'm going to pretend I didn't hear it. No, he shined light on it. He called to what it is great wickedness. And it's a sin against God. Josh, Joseph knew how what the effect it would be on other people, the families and the, and the, the extended family, everything, the dynamics would just uh, the effects of it would be terrible if he did it. And finally, Joseph, Joseph said that no, absolutely not, I refuse. But what happened? Verse eleven. But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house was inside. Now, do you think that was a coincidence? All this time, men are and everyone's around that house all the time, and now there's no one in the house except her and him? Hello. She was crafty. So what do you think happened? Look what happened next. And she caught him. <laughs> Get the word here. He she caught him. That means, what does that mean? He was running. What, what happened? She caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside in his underwear. He didn't care. Here the, she, she comes in. He, you know how the guy is. He comes in. He looks and says, okay, this is not. He's in charge of everything. He knows there's people here. He's avoiding her, and all of a sudden, she's the only one. He, that, you know he was ready to book it out the door. And he, he, she's right there waiting to snatch him, grab him. You know it. You can play it in your scenario. She grabs him, has a death grip on his clothes. He's sitting there going, wait a minute. And the clothes come off of him. She's sitting there holding his garment, and he's booking it out the door with a white streak. He wasn't going to sit there, can you please let go of my garment? You're going to rip it. You know, this just, what, what is the situation? This doesn't look good. No, he isn't going to have any words. He knew he had to run. He had to leave there. There was no question in his mind. And he fled and he ran outside and when you see this played out. You can see how he knew, even in 2 Timothy 2.22, about fleeing your, lust, your youthful lusts. Get out of there. Get away and get away quickly. And so it was, verse 13, when he, she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside, that she called to the men of her house and spoke to him, saying, See, he has brought, it, brought in to us a Hebrew to mock us. He came in to me to lie with me, and I cried out with a, a loud voice. And it happened when he heard that I, I lifted my voice and cried out that, the, that he left his garment with me and fled and went outside. Now, she now is bitter and angry. She's tried everything to get this Joseph to lie with her. And now this rejection, that was it. Now it will be a switch flip. 
She went from, I want you, lust after you, now I'm going to destroy you. And that's exactly how it plays out today. Be very careful. She will go to any great length to destroy, even if it means orchestrating and lying to her teeth to bring this man down because he rejected her, even though it was right. Look what happens. She, so she kept his garment with her until his master came home. Then she spoke to him with words like these, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you brought to us came into me to mock me. So what happened as I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled outside. I find this very fascinating in her lie. <clears throat> First of all, she does not mention his name to anybody in, in by specific. He just refer, refers to the Hebrew and refers. So everyone knew him, okay? That's, that's fine. So when someone's bitter and angry, typically they're not going to sit there and just tell no one. First of all, she tells everybody in the household that, that Joseph oversees. So she's going to tell the rest of the employees of her feelings about their boss, in this case, Joseph. And look what the boss did here, and look what he did here, and all oh, blah, blah, blah. That's what happens, isn't it? A bitter person's bitter. They're going to start gossiping and telling lies among the people to try to bring discredit toward them. But then she goes right to the husband, the master, and then lies to him to get him fired. Or in this case, she knows, she knows, because he's a slave and he attempted to rape her, that is a guaranteed death penalty. But guess what happens? Look what happens. So it was when his master heard the words which his wife spoke to him, saying, Your servant did to me after this manner, that the, his anger was aroused. It doesn't say whose anger was aroused to. We automatically assume he's angry with Joseph. But I don't believe so. I believe he was very upset with the fact that everything was going so well, and now everything's messed up, and he knows his wife. Why? Because look what happened. Verse 20. Then Joseph's master, the master himself, took him and put him into the prison. A place where the king's prisoners were confined and he was there in the prison. That's why I know, I believe, that he was angry at his wife and at the situation at hand because he himself, who was the chief of police, the head of the secret service, he was the protector of Pharaoh. He didn't have to deliver his servant down to the prison. He could have just snapped. Someone would have grabbed him of all of his, his police department, would have grabbed this man, the slave, and would have, he would have been dead within seconds. Potiphar was probably so upset the fact that now he's put in a bad position. Why? Because he had to do something with this man that he liked very much because he became of the authority over his entire house. He was blessing Potiphar. Potiphar was being blessed because of this man, Joseph, being in the position he is. 
So, but he could not sit there and say, woman, are you crazy? What are you doing hitting on this young man? He couldn't do that. He had to, couldn't put a slave over his wife. So he took himself and he took him down and he put him in not just any prison. He put him in the special prison set aside for those who served the king and placed him in that. They had better privileges than another prison. So he basically said, dude, I have to do this. You're going to be put in prison for life. I'm just going to have to put you there. That's the only thing I can do. You're not going to kill you, but I'm going to put you right here. Why? Because God did not leave Joseph. God was with him even through the situation. And look how we play out as we finish this up. But, key word, circle it, but the Lord was with. Who? Joseph. And showed him mercy, and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. And the keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority. Why? Because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. Amazing story. God allows and brings him into the prison. And even there, did Joseph complain and fall apart and rebel and get angry? How God could you do this to me? No, we don't see anything other than we see he stayed committed to do what God who called him to do. Now in prison, he went from the pit to Potiphar's house to be in top of authority. Now he's in a prison and still God blessed him. Because God will bless you wherever you go that as he directs your steps, right? Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your what? Paths. Because you and I, I always, you hear me say it all the time, do not make decisions for God in the fact that, oh, I'm going to go here. How, where did God show you then the word? He'll figure it. I'm going, I'm going to go there. God will bless me once I'm there. No, 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 no. You want to go and be where God is directing you to do regardless of how you feel about that. And you know you're in his will. You know you're just going to be obedient and just do what God's called you to do. And watch him just lift you up on eagle's wings. Just even in the prison, here he is. God was using him and blessing him and even bringing all authority and everything that was happening even within the prison. And the Lord made it prosper. And we're going to see, even in the prison moment of his life, the situation of life change, God is going to use this for what? For his plan. Watch out. Read ahead, my brothers and sisters. It gets even better as we see God use uh, the life of Joseph. It's an amazing story.